All right. How are you getting on? Are you well? Are you welly? Are you wearing your hunters? Anyone getting any hunters this year? Oh, I tell you, if you've worked in a shoe shop, you'd know. The boxes for hunters are shite. They don't stay together and they're fucking heavy as fuck. Hunter wellies, speak hunter's wellies, right? And you put them up high and if you get a clatter from a wellie from a height, you know about it. And I have many a time. Havianas as well, they don't even come in a box. They don't come in a box, so the Havianas are everywhere. Toms as well. Yeah, buy a pair of shoes. We'll give a pair of shoes to someone who needs shoes. Yeah, and all eco-packaging and all. It's falling apart. What about me, the stockroom boy in the, in the room that smells like peace? What am I supposed to do with all this shit around? Um. Anyway, are you giving it welly? Uh, are you okay? Are you okay? How's things? How's your granny for Slack? How's your, your outlet for Skype? Is he even on Skype? I need to... Uh, Mr. Mr. Bill Gates... How can it that be that you invent the COVID, yet you still lose out in the number one uh, networking app? <laughs> oh, Mr. Gates. <laughs> Can't believe. How do, you, how do you invent COVID <laughs> and not follow through? I was on a, I did a Microsoft gig, and that was one of my jokes. It wasn't so much a goke, a goke go- joke as it was an observation. I said, um, uh, it was during the middle of COVID and I was doing to a bunch of Microsoft execs and I was like, um, well, you really dropped the ball on that whole Skype thing, huh? Who knew? Everyone needs a you know, global uh, video messaging uh, service and everyone's using Zoom. And I think they, they didn't laugh because it wasn't a joke, <laughs> because it wasn't really clear this is where you're supposed to laugh at it. Um but that is mad. That is mad. It was in the Turtles movie, for God's sake, was Skype. April O'Neil Skypes a dock worker to be like, have you seen these weird figures in the dark? These reptiles with big backs? They didn't know. She didn't know there were turtles. And she's like, oh, I need to, I need to follow up on that lead because I'm a plucky reporter. How about I Skype him? I'm making it. You would never be. I've talked about this so many times in the podcast. You would never be able to Skype. You... You, I can ba- I can barely Skype my family. I could barely Skype my ma if we both knew our login details. But Zoom was just like, hey, here's the link. Here's the link. Uh, um, and also we're going to kick you out after 40 minutes. Skype, yeah, as much as you want. Zoom, this feels like, sorry, it feels like I'm doing stand-up from fucking two, like two years ago now. I'm not even doing, this isn't even stand-up. <laughs> I don't know why I'm, I'm in a bad mood. I'm in a bad mood because this podcast is late. And when I do things on a in a public in the public realm where I'm late, <laughs> where I feel like a little boy. I feel like a little tiny child with my cacks pulled down to my ankles. So you can see my bare arse, my tiny arse, as I'm pissing at a urinal because I'm a small boy. That's what I feel like when I have things that go wrong. When I have things that go wrong uh, publicly. And this is a podcast that's late and I feel bad about that because I know that there's people I know I know what it's like to have my podcasts you know, I, I like to listen to them on the day that they come out. Right? I listen to my podcasts, I listen to them on my bike I listen to them on my commute um, when I was driving down to Tullamore, I was listening to one little earphone in, you know, while the young fella and the, and the wife were getting a bit kip and I wasn't playing it on the radio, you know. So I understand the power of the commute and how necessary uh, entertainment is within that. 
So I'm sorry. But I'm not a boy. I'm a man. And these things happen, okay? Get off my back. <laughs> now, Gary's been coming back. Gary's been coming back in a big way for, uh, recently. Gary's Gary's been kind of come, come back in a in a kind of like, you know, the smoke monster from Ferngully. He's kind of taken on that form at the moment. You know, uh, Taxus or something. Tim, Tim Curry played him. <laughs> and he's like sucking on the exhaust. <laughs> Remember your man? Smoke monster from Ferngully. If you've not seen Ferngully, it's better than Aladdin. It's not. It's not. But Robin Williams would love you to believe that it is. Robin Williams got a serious payday for Ferngully. And then he got a small little amount for Aladdin because they said literally do whatever you want will animate everything that you do and so he got like the I don't think it was scale that's minimum wage for actors but I think it was something close but he said look no matter what I, I, I'm happy to do this for you but just let you know this is a Fern Gully flick um, it kind of you know like my daughter's mad into kind of like the rainforest and saving the rainforest and I'm kind of doing that to kind of protect the world and you know protect the world I'm trying I'm trying to be a better person I'm trying to be I'm trying to I'm trying to um, motivate kids to you know uh, to invest in a greener free, greener future so please I am doing Fern Gully at the same time I will do your Aladdin movie but can we just not make it all about me you know can we not make it all about me? That's just, you know, you have your great actors there, you got Aladdin, you know. And to be fair to him, he wouldn't have expected that they would have rescinded as big as they did because they did make it all about him. The poster was literally him. And then in his big hand is everyone else. Robin Williams is. Here's, here's him going mad. I mean, he was the Robin Williams show. Um, But... uh. And they and they totally boxed. So they literally paid him fuck all and then put him front and center for all of the marketing, even though, and it totally wiped out Fern Gully as a, as the, you know, you forget Robin Williams was in it. It makes it, it makes it look cheaper. It makes it look like a cheap, low budget flick. And it's actually quite a, you know, she's, she's you know, your one's pretty hot in a little fairy one. Probably in the, in the list of hot fairies, Fern Gully's up there. I like Julia Roberts' Tinkerbell. She gets a bit of a bad rap. Uh, I don't like, the other Tinkerbell from the actual cartoon, I think she's, she's, she's got, she's the kind of, she's got that kind of crazy drama school kind of energy that I'd be drawn to, but then immediately scared of, you know, what am I talking about? Um, yeah, Gary's a smoke monster in my head, but yeah, no, Gary, he's back in a kind of weird way. He's kind of a bit, a bit insidious now, you know, the dead speak, if you know what I mean, you know, he's back. He's like, oh my God, where did I, how, how did he come back? He's like, he's like Emperor Palpatine. In uh, in the the rise of Skywalker, the the ninth Star Wars movie, you know, it's like okay, so you got two films, two of the new Star Wars films. Okay, no Palpatine, great, no Palpatine. Uh, what Palpatine's back in the first five seconds of this flick? What the main villain for the last six flicks that was nowhere in Episode Seven or Eight is back? What? Um, the dead speak. Uh, and yeah, he's he's back. He's back in a kind of foggy kind of way. Do you know what I mean? It's this is what happens when your when your mind kind of just goes a bit lazy, uh, or, or or not looked after. There is a vacuum that gets immediately filled with uh, a doubting brain, a doubting Thomas. And Gary was back in this kind of taking over this fog, speaking through kind of whispers in this fog. You know, <laughs> sounds more. I'm just saying a bit. You know, I, I've I've. I haven't. I don't my head straight at the moment. You know, I just have. I, I need to just be writing more things down. That's it. David Allen says it. David Allen, the author of Getting Things Done, he says your brain 
is built for creating ideas, not for storing them. That's why we have fucking paper. And that's why we have calendars and we have notes folders and we have to-do apps and all that sort of stuff. I just need to get all the ideas out. I think you'd find sometimes if you feel a bit overwhelmed, if you actually literally write down every single thing down to getting grapes, changing a light in your house. If you write down every single thing, you actually do feel much better. So that's what I need to do. I know these things. See, I know these things. I feel like I'm shouting on my sim, playing sims. You know what I mean? I've said this on the pod before. I remember playing sims, and my sim has a little health bar. Well, multiple bars. It has a kind of satisfaction level. It has a cleanliness level. It has a, a, a hunger level. And all the bars start going down. You know, and you're looking at your sim, and I'm like clicking on the fridge, being like, eat, sim. Just eat. And he's like, he's like, I'm too depressed to eat. Your sim is too depressed to eat. And then he pisses himself, and I'm cleaning on the piss. And I'm like, clean up the piss. Clicking on the p- pool of piss. And he's like, I'm too depressed to clean up my piss, you know. And I know what I did. I treated this sim the way I didn't. I, I gave this sim everything. I had cheats. I typed in the, the, the I typed in the simoleon cheat to give him like I was making 10k a second. And then and then it's like, do you want to get a job? No, this sim doesn't need to get a job. I'm gonna get him a great computer. I'm gonna go I'm gonna kit out his room. I'm gonna get him a big TV. I'm gonna get him a swimming pool. But he's just lonely because his hierarchy of needs have not been met. And then eventually he's just pissing and he's not eating. And I'm like, but you have everything. And I'm like, but that's not the logical part of it, Tony. That's not the logical part of it. The logic part of it is not working. You know what I mean? What he needs to do is write down a list of everything he needs to do. And then the fog monster in his brain will go. Does this make sense to anyone? Anyway. Um, but I'm feeling okay. I'm just I'm just a bit I just there's beating myself up this podcast didn't get out in time. But look, I'm not if I'm not fucking assistant principal, I'm 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 on a cool boss. Hey, that's cool, bro. I'm glad you had a good day. I'm glad you went to Tato Park with your son and Nilo and his boy. I don't have my ukulele for um, for uh, Tony's name drop corner. But I went to Tato Park and it was cool. That's what I did. I was, tra- I was trying to get the podcast out before then, but I was still going to go to Tato Park. What am I going to not I'm gonna do? Tell my son he's not going to Tato Park? Meet Mr. fucking Tato? You joking me? Be crying. But you know what shit happens? You know what I mean? Like, uh, whatever. The podcast is late. Podcast is late. It happens. Look, I'm a cool boss, Tony. I'm your cool boss, bro. I'm your cool boss. This things ha- these things happen, bro. Are you feeling okay, mate? Are you feeling all right? Are you feeling that I have given you everything you need to perform at the task as well as you can? Well, then it's okay, bro. I think here's your appraisal, bro. You have delivered some quality content last year, and you've done it while having a baby. <laughs> and you've done it twice a week. You have done more episodes of this than you have done anything in your entire life, bro. It's okay you slip up by a week. It's okay if the odd time you have to take a little break. I'm so proud of you and I love you. <laughs> I'm so proud of you and I love you, bro. Um, do you know what I tell myself as a cool boss? It's something that I saw in a clip of a TikTok of a Tony Robbins seminar, because that's how I absorb my content, because I'm a millennial, okay? Did I read a Tony Robbins book? No. Did I listen to a Tony Robbins audiobook? No. Did I pay for a seminar? Did I even watch the full seminar on YouTube? No, I saw one 15-second fucking clip on TikTok, and it really resonated with me. And what happened was, Tony Robbins is there doing his big seminar. He's a fucking giant. Awaken the giant within is Tony Robbins. His big, massive teeth, big head of teeth. And he's staring out at like 10,000 people in these seminars. He's He speaks to like 500,000 people a year apparently, in these big seminars. 
you know. And whether people think that's a weird god complex, I don't mind that. You'd be a god if you want to be. People, people want to give fucking, you know, 150 quid a year to Tony Robbins and they feel like that's in line with their positivity. They're more positive in their life. What are they giving to, you know, a collection plate? You know what I mean? They're not, as long as they're not giving over their body, <laughs> you know, or, or drinking a suspicious Kool-Aid, uh, then, you know, I think, you know, whatever. The, oh, what they're not going to get they're not going to get Sky Sports they're instead uh, paying for a subscription to Awaken the Giant Within whatever you want to do it whatever you know um, but anyway Tony Robbins is doing this seminar and 10,000 people there and the microphone's being passed around goes to this one little guy kind of scrawny guy and the guy's like shaking he looks white he looks like he hasn't slept and he's like sweating and he's <laughs> and Tony Robbins is like alright buddy what's your question and he's like oh, I want to I want to kill myself. I want to kill myself. And it's like, fuck. Everyone gets really, you can hear a pin drop. It gets real quiet. And everyone's like, shit, this guy, because you can tell this guy means it. Like he's he's almost like in this trance of just pure, like he's spiraling right right now. And he's just like, he came here and he just wants, he's just looking for a hand to pluck him out. Do you know what I mean? Why else would he be here? But he's in this kind of like locked in, this kind of like looks manic. I want to go. I want to, and he's like, Whoa, what's up? And he's like, just nothing's going right. I can't get anything right in my life. And he's just talking in these big extremes and absolutes and everything. And to- Tony Robbins goes down and he's all, and he's like, why do you want to kill yourself? Is it because of your, is it because of your fucking red shoes? He says, because you're funny swears. Is it because of your fucking red shoes? And the guy's like, what? What the fuck did you say to me? What did you say? Because he can't, why? He's like, why would he ever expect him to say that? He's like, this guy's literally saying, and he's, he's kind of lucky. He, he's saying the most extreme thing because he wants Tony to hear the most extreme thing right now. He's speaking in absolutes. He's like, he just want to continue living. Tony Robbins is like, is it because you're fucking red shoes? And the guy's like, and he kind of guy starts laughing and the tension's kind of cut. And he's kind of a little bit out of the trance. He's just a bit, he's just very vulnerable, you know? And Tony Robbins says, I love that you have such a high standard for yourself. <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, the guy's like, oh, you know, like he's just, that's all I need to say. Imagine a different spin. Now, I don't know what happened to the guy. Hopefully he's, you know, but it was a great clip, um, you know, <laughs> but isn't, isn't, I just think that's much, isn't that much better spin on it? You know, imagine you said to yourself as an affirmation, I love that I have such a high standard for myself rather than I hate how Everything I do is fucking shit. Isn't that a better, much better way? Um, I tell you who also have very high standards. That's the sponsors of this week's podcast, the Dubliner Irish Whiskey. Let me tell you about the Dubliner. The DLD.com. At Dubliner Whiskey on the social. They're a fine bunch of people and they're a fine brand. And they have a high standard of whiskey. But not so high that they want to then make it inaccessible. They're putting it on a pedestal. They're putting it in the tip of the Orkney Islands off the tip of Scotland where only a certain type of shitty peat <laughs> grows to make a whiskey that you can never find or never afford can taste like fucking smoke or fucking why would you ever want to drink that shit and why should we have this highfalutin idea that that is good whiskey and any other whiskey that you can buy for less than 40 quid in an off license is bad whiskey why should we think that the Dubliner don't think that. The Dubliner are not so precious with their recipe. It's a tasty recipe, but they're not so precious. What they like to do is they like to take their Irish whiskey recipe. What they like to do is they like to put it in casks or they put it in barrels and they like to kind of shake it up a little bit. That's why you have the the the, the original Dubliner, the, the green uh, label bottle. They put that in a bourbon cask, gives it a hint of sweetness. It's an Irish whiskey and a bourbon cask means you can use it for Irish whiskey cocktails. You can use it for bourbon cocktails. You can drink it neat. You can drink it 
you know, is it with a bit of ginger ale, with a bit of sparkling water, make a highball like I've been doing. But then they also have these collaborations that they do with, say, uh, Rascal's Brewery, where they put it in a smoked stout, a beer barrel with Rascal's Brewery. That means that you got the Irish whiskey taste with a bit of smokiness. Rather than having to get a drink, put it in a bell jar, fill it full of smoke and do the whole pageantry at your table for 16 quid, you can do it in a little thing. You can get the taste right there. You know what I mean? They're not so highfalutin. They don't want their whiskey tasting like peat and shite and, you know, fire. They, But it is fire. It's pure fire. And they also have a sweet honeycomb liqueur. It's very tasty. Uh, it tastes like drinking a crunchy. And it's, 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 it's some nice, tasty, accessible whiskey. And Dubliner, I love that you have such high standards for yourself, but you don't take yourself so seriously. Anyway, let's get on with this week's pod. To pay you back for the lateness of this pod, I'm going to try and answer as many Q&A questions as I possibly can. Hopefully we get some good topics. I haven't looked at any of it yet. This podcast is going out in about 30 minutes on the Tony Cantwell Shit Show. It's Tony Cantwell Shit Show. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff there. Um, so look, Q&A pod, I got some questions for you, better answer now. I'm going to answer some questions for you now. Um, but before we get on to that, I thought I might tell you about the gig that I did in Tullamore. I did gigs again. Actually, do you know what? Before I get on to that, I might, because if you're, if I tell you about that, no, what I'm going to do, a bit of housekeeping for you. Um, on If you have tickets for a gig, if you currently have tickets for a gig, I am sorry, but you may have to buy them again they're going to be cancelled, okay? If you have tickets for the Sugar Club, if you have tickets for the Spirit Store, uh, if you have t- tickets for the Drioct, if you have tickets for uh, the venue in Ratoth, they are going to be refunded to you. Those gigs are cancelled. It's just, it was just getting a bit too complicated with some people having tickets and some people not. Some venues were refunded. There will be new gigs, and I'm sorry if you bought that pr- the, the 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 ticket. I'm sorry if you bought them day one. I'm sorry if you bought them as a as a as a present to a friend, you know. And now it's like now what the fuck? It was meant to be our thirtieth. Yeah, now I'm here standing here with me dick in me hands because you're canceling that gig. There will be other gigs, and I hope that you can get tickets for them. If you're a Patreon subscriber, you know you know they get the early bird access over there. So if you are listening to this, you will have first dibs if you're a Patreon subscriber. But there are some big gigs coming. And I kind of, I think that if you want a ticket, you'll be able to get a ticket. That's all I can say about that right now. Um, but those tickets, unfortunately, are going to be cancelled. But I think you'd be happy now with the with the gigs that we have lined up. But that's more to be revealed on that. Um, and um, yeah. So that's that's the the venues were have been notified this week. So you should be getting a, a notification shortly uh, about those gigs being cancelled. And then as more gigs are announced, I'll be sure to, <laughs> to to publish the hell out of them on social media and let everyone know and make you know do whatever I can to make sure that you can hopefully get 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 a ticket. Um, if you want to go, <laughs> Gary's like, are you sure even people want to go now? You cancelling the gigs. Um, so sorry about that. But I'll tell you about this other gig that I did in Tullamore. Um, I tell you, I didn't die. And Gary was telling me I was going to die. Gary was saying, you're going to go out there. You're going to, two things are going to happen. Two, there'll be two hits in it. One, a shit hitting the floor out of your arse and you hitting the ground dead. That's what he was saying to me, right? And luckily, neither of those things happened. Although, 
<laughs> Although I was in the middle of my last song on the first gig and I couldn't find the jack to plug in my guitar and I was looking on the other side of the guitar and I smashed myself in the face. Smashed myself in the face and started bleeding down my lip while singing. Um, like bleeding down my face in the last, uh, you know. And people were like throwing rags at me. Being like, one lady got up from the front seat, went off to get me tissue to come back to give it to me, you know. Um, while I'm while I'm singing, by the way, like, you know, interrupted the song, but whatever, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, you know, you kind of think, oh, like, at least, at least what am I going to do? No, I'm not going to go up there and get hurt. You know, I did really hurt myself. Bust me lip, bust me lip right open, you know. And there was some, this um, health and safety officer and he was taking it really fucking seriously. He gave me like this antiseptic wipe. And he was like, take that down to make sure you clean that out now. And he was like looking at me and I was like, get away from me. <laughs> you, know, I'm, you know, I'm a bit embarrassed. Don't just thank you very much. Just go away. Um, but I tell you, it was nice getting out to Tullamore. I'd never seen Tullamore before. Um, I tell you, one of the best things about doing comedy is I get to see more of um, Ireland. You know, before I left to move to, to move to London, when I was just a gormless dub, you know, I knew nothing. My map of my map of Ireland, right? I couldn't tell you where counties were. I still don't really know. I don't have a very good grasp of Irish geography. Um, and I know you might think that that's um, lazy, and you might think that's you know people really don't like that if you don't know where counties are, you know. But I've never been like I I don't I don't know where places are in Dublin. Do you know what I mean? My my entire map is still kind of loosely based around what I knew when I was eighteen, which was uh, Merino and Grafton Street. Do you know what I mean? Just those and the, and the one, two, three bus line. That's it. Anywhere independent of that. You know, I didn't drive, didn't have a car, you know. So when I left for, for London, I hadn't seen much of Ireland. And my map of Ireland was like, you know, those like ancient sea maps that you see where it's like for flat earth and it like gets to like the edge of the earth and there's a load of sea monsters <laughs> like in question marks. That's kind of what I would view would be like the M50. Yeah, like the rim of the M50 and then just a load of squids and Quetzalcoatls and all mad shit, you know, with a lot of question marks over their heads. So I didn't really know much about um, Ireland. So it's great to see more places and the gigs. Gigs went well. People were so up for it. People were so up for it. There was a guy in the front and he was laughing at everything I was saying. I was talking about how I was trying to make a pizza while I had the spinnies and he was like, spinnies. <laughs> and I'm like, I haven't even done the joke, bro, but I appreciate it. I appreciate it very much, you know. Um... And I tell you, making me realize all the kind of jokes, not to say they've gone soft or whatever, but some of, my, some of my raps are fucking filth. Some of my raps are pure filth, you know? Um, like, I, draw, I say Fanny so comfortably, you know? <laughs> and it's just mad doing material. Because you got to go out there and play the hits. Do you know what I mean? you got to go out there and play the hits. That's um, Julie J. I was asking her because I was nervous. Another um, ukulele name drop for you there. Um she had done a gig previously and I was like, how'd it go? What's it like gigging again? Do you die? Uh, you know, my mate Gary in my mind told me that you die. And she was being very, you know, very calm with me. And she was like, look, just go out there and play the hits, you know. Sprinkle in a bit of new stuff, but play the hits. That's what she said, you know. And she was dead right and uh, went well. The gigs were fun, you know. And it was great. It was great just to, it felt like a, an actual gig. Gemma Dunleavy was on after me. She's a pal of mine. Another name dropped for you there, but I've known her for years. But um, she went up to the, you know, sang Up the Flats. With the the owner of the bar's daughter was up there singing up the flats. She was infatuated with Gemma. Just couldn't believe it. Just staring at her. It was like watching a live late late toy show thing. I was crying. I was crying, <laughs> and it was a great gig. It was a lovely night. Um, so I leading up to the gig, I was like, I don't know why I do this to myself. I'm never going to do this ever again. It's not worth it. Um, so that's the thing as well. Like you know, you never want to be. I don't know if I've said this before on the pod. Um. 
Because last year and a half, like I wouldn't say I've gotten comfortable, but, you know, I haven't done many things that kind of give me flutters, you know, give me flutters that are like, and it's difficult to tell what they are. When you do them a lot, you can tell this is genuine dread or this is excitement. They, they're, they're very indistinguishable sometimes, you know, and especially when you're so far removed from doing it. So I just kind of was feeling this as pain. <laughs> I was like, this is absolute dread. This is my body telling me that I'm going to die, that I'm going to shit. Um, you know, it's very difficult sometimes to to, to differentiate. And, um, and I just, you know, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad I did them. I'm glad. I'm glad that there are going to be some more gigs coming up and watch this space. And again, I'm sorry for the other gigs being cancelled, but it is just much easier this way to organise um, everything going forward because it's going to be a, hopefully a tour coming up soon. Um, but look, let's answer some of your cues. Cube. Cube. Um, simplify. All right, here's one from Adam, My Fault Music. He says, best nicknames you knew of as a kid. So I think the best nickname I ever knew growing up was this kid going around. I think his name was Ian. Uh, everyone called him Ronnie because uh, his dad had a moustache. Um, like, what's the story, Ronnie? And I think his dad even shaved the moustache and everyone still called him, um, called him Ronnie. Um, Tristan Carroll. Tristan Carroll, the official music man, was at the gig in Tullamore. And I had a whole, and actually another thing that was ha- going to happen at the gig, which unfortunately didn't get to happen, um, which actually helps me, helped really make me realise the differentiation between excitement and pure dread, was I, I brought my projector. And I was going to do Footy Chance, and I had like lyrics and stuff on the screen. I was going to do Footy Chance for Obama Plaza. It was, come on, everybody, to Obama Plaza. They got Supermax and a Sparrow and Pizza. Um, that was the one I was going to do. And I was going to do one for Tristan Carroll, which I'll maybe save for the Patreon. That's where he listens most of the time, because he's the official music man on my Patreon podcast. Um, he's a guy who helps me with some theme songs. Um, so I have him for him. So I had like, te- um, you know, a 15-minute set. I had 10 minutes worth of projector material. And then I went down there and like 15 minutes before I went on, they were like, yeah, the projector's not going to work. You can't use a projector. There's no visual element to this. And I was like, huh? <laughs> and that's the thing as well. Like I'm such a, like, you know, and I tell you, another welcome surprise was um, normally leading up to a gig, I am a, like an actual husk of a human being. My wife has to deal with me just being dead behind the eyes. Just kind of, you know, she's talking to me and all I'm here is like, ee! you know, I'm just like, so um, she's kind of known to kind of give me my space in in that time, you know, and I've gotten better at not being a completely absentee partner. Um, but leading up to this gig, it's like, you know, I have the kid. I have the kid now. And I tell you, I'm there trying to like, you know, dis, you know, disassociate from myself. I'm trying to do a full Tilda Swinton, you know, ancient one chest punch where my soul leaves my body and is just floating over my head. And every single time he's like, nope, yanking me back down. You better play me right now. You got to play me. You got to be, hey, whoa, 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 wake up, wake up, read me this fucking book, build the block thing. And then let me knock it down every five seconds. And then I'm not even going to let you put one block down. I'm going to knock it out of your hand before it even starts, bro. So... And I tell you, I, th- I kind of thought that I needed this kind of like exit from my body to have my soul fly above my head, meditative space that I need before a gig. But it turns out I, do, I don't. I actually just, I just kind of get a bit more scared while I'm in my head, you know, and he, it was great just to take me out of it. So that was a nice, pleasant surprise that I don't need to live in a perpetual state of dread leading up to a gig. That was nice to know. Anyway, I got some questions for you, but it's now. Um, let's see here. Um... Adam, Adam, my font music says best nicknames you knew of as a kid. 
Um, so there's a few. Um, I mentioned him before on the pod. It was Ronnie. I think his real name was Ian. Um, everyone called him Ronnie because his dad had a tash. He's a young fella, a little smaller kid. One of those young fellas who was hanging out with all the much bigger kids because he just go crack, you know. And he's like, oh, here's Ronnie. And he's like, my name's Ian. <laughs> and he, and that's, that was a good one. Um, there was a few lads. There was a guy... I think I, I mentioned this. This guy had a rep, Cheese. Um, Cheese was a lad who had a rep for um, hitting girls, you know. And I told you, me and my mates broke into the abandoned telecom Aaron build and started fucking around uh, phone books. We crept into the attic, and I was a big, massive shrine to a spliff plant, big weed plant, um, ganja leaves, and I had uh, Cheese was here. And we're like, fuck, you just felt the tension was palpable because you know Cheese is going to flip if he finds you in his, essentially his gaff. Um, and Cheese, he was called, he was called Cheese because um, he had red hair. Uh, it's kind of red Lester, kind of a red cheddar. Um, Chalky, there was another guy called Chalky. He had red hair. I don't know why they called him Chalky. There was a guy called Scaldi um, and they called him Scaldi because he had red hair and... Because it's red, well, it is Scaldy Bollocks was the kind of long, long version of the name, but they called him Scaldy um, because he had presumably red bollocks, red hair, red pubes. Your pubes look like they're burning. Your name's Scaldy. You know what I mean? You, that's, that's, you know. Um, Tristan, Tristan Carroll, the official music man. He comes from far away and he can play. Uh, Tristan, is he, Tristan helps me with some theme songs. Um, he did the sexy one um, for episode 69. Um, and he was at the gig in Tullamore. And uh, I feel bad because I had written a footy chant for him. I had 10 minutes of material that I had to just jettison about 15 minutes before the gig because they couldn't, I couldn't use the projector. It was too bright. And I had 10 minutes of footy chants. I had one about Obama Plaza I was going to do. Come on, everybody, to Obama Plaza. They've got Supermax and Asparagus Pizza. Papa John's have a pizza there. So I was going to do, I had loads of chants. I had one about Shane Lowry, I think. I think. I don't think I'd finished it, but uh, I was going to do that right before the gig. Um... So um, I had one on Tristan, and I didn't get to do it. So I'll save that for the Patreon, Tristan. I know that's where you listen. Um, and you can fucking pay for it, bro. Anyway, he asks, are you watching RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars? Uh, yes, I am. And I'm loving it. And poor Jan. Jan just does not know how to build a connection with other people. Jan is a Billy Barry kid. She's a show kid, right? And I think sometimes look, people sometimes look like they have a big ego or that they're egotistical. Uh, but I, I think that some people are different in how their brain allows them to communicate that they sometimes have to put other people's experiences through their own experiences just so they can understand and then relate it back. And then a lot of the time they relate it back and it sounds like they're just talking about themselves. But what they're actually trying to do is talk to other people. Now, that's not necessarily Jan's thing. Jan's thing, she's fucking whack job. Absolutely whack job. Jan is just... Um, Jan, if you've not watched... Uh, she's kind of this Adina Menzel kind of absolute glee kid. And she she stole the show in one of the uh, episodes where she had to kind of be this kind of glee kid and it was very good. But then it was when she had to kind of show part of her true self. She had to do this kind of like podcast where you had to talk about your own personal experience. She was just also doing a character. She doesn't know how to speak genuinely and authentically because I don't know if she's fully is aware of who she is or if she's fully confronted uh, who she is and what she thinks, you know. And then when she, spoiler for this week's or last week's Drag Race, was booed out this week, um... The mask just totally slipped. The theatre mask. The big happy and sad thing slipped. And then she was like, they're threatened by me. 
And that's she wasn't singing that, but now she's like, I'm fucking out of here. They think they're threatened by me. That's why they got rid of me. They, they didn't their fucking hoop. They did because you're a loser. Although I will say, Pandora, what is your what is your thing? Um, will you ever open Pandora's box? Because what's in it? I don't know what's in it. Like she's this. Look, she's she's one of the more older queens. She has this kind of vaudeville style. She kind of. Looks like she should be funny, but she's not funny. She looks like she should be an entertainer or do a scat or whatever, and she doesn't. I don't know what her thing is. Snatch Game's coming up. No doubt she has some completely out-of-touch references, some fucking loser no one's ever heard of that she's going to do. Um, and it'll be funny because she'll know the character inside now and, and she'll pass and she'll get away with it, but she doesn't deserve to. I think Pandora, I don't know what you're bringing. They should have kept Jan in. Um, and look, I could speak for ages on that. Um, and I like I like the fact Drag Race is back. And, um, you know, it's replaced the kind of Loki. Like, what do I, what am I definitely watching this week? I haven't even talked about Loki on this pod. How fucking good was Loki? It was so good. I love how fucked up it is that he was falling in love with himself. I can totally relate to that, Terry was saying. <laughs> Terry was like, you fucking wish there was a female version of you from another, uh, another uh, universe. Um, I just love, I just, I, I thought... You, when you have two actors as good as Owen Wilson and um, Tom Hiddleston, they just build that rapport, even though they've only had a couple of scenes where they're kind of having these heart-to-hearts, you know? I love the fact that you got Kang, and this is the other Kang, and there's going to be another Kang. Like, this is the good Kang, the malevolent Kang, and there's going to be another Kang. And, like, could you get any bigger stakes in fucking up the world? They shattered the universe. These are the stakes I'm talking about. I didn't think the TV shows would go this way. I didn't think the TV shows would go this way. I thought the TV shows would be, you know, after that fucking whatever boner thing from WandaVision where Evan Peters turns out to be not the first mutant moving over from the Fox universe into the Disney MCU universe who ends up to be the stupid actor and it's an Easter egg and everyone lost their shit and like that's bollocks, you know. WandaVision still... You know, things have changed. She's very powerful. Uh, Vision is white now, but he's alive again. He's not dead. That's interesting. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier can take or leave it. Fuck your super soldiers. I don't want to hear about any of that shit anymore. I want to see a series. It should have been two different series, right? I don't want to see a Hawkeye series. I don't know. I don't want any more information about Hawkeye. I don't want... I like Jeremy Renner. I I like how dark he got later on in, in Hawkeye. I like the kind of Infinity War and then he goes off and he's just been killing for years because he just can't get over the fact he couldn't save his family and he just, you know, he's being this cool kind of ninja. It's just fun. That's fun, campy stuff. I don't want to see any more of that, though. Do you know what I mean? But I want to see Sebastian Stan going through Europe, righting all the wrongs of everyone on his list, going over like, you know, like Sam Beckett, like he's like he's quantum leaping, trying to do something good for everyone that he wronged on that list. And then have Falcon be in the next Captain America movie. Give Anthony Mackie a movie. You know what I mean? You know, but I did like the best thing about the show was all the stuff that it did, uh, which it didn't need to do, was all the stuff about what America represents to black people, what it, re- what it, what it represents to, 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 to you know, African-Americans, you know, and what it means to actually be a black person wearing the stars and stripes. And he his whole thing is, you know, is accessibility and, and being being this, you know, in, in between. He's not necessarily going to be the, the – because he kind of became Captain America against the will – of America, he, he went against. They gave it to. They gave it to the token white guy again, and he took the fucking shield back as it was his right because the real Captain America saw something in him to be the Captain America. So that was kind of. I like that, and I like the whole super soldier serum, and you know, um, Isaiah, 
whatever his name is, the the first and the whole stuff. With that, that that was awesome, you know. Um, but uh, I want, I'm, you asked about RuPaul. Anyway, moving on. Okay, God, I got to move fast. Uh, okay. Um, what age did you realize you were funny? Says uh, Al Fascinates. Um, when did I realize I was funny? So apparently I was a bit of a class clown in uh, in play school. I used to be making all <laughs> fart sounds and all stuff like that. I'd make like mauler things and just smash them, and people were like ah, laughing their ass off. Um, but it was kind of said in uh, in in tandem with um, well, also what my brother Andy and it gets annoyed about is that I would always say things that like he might say, but because I was two years younger, everyone would laugh, being like, "Oh, he's so funny! How he he shouldn't know how to say that, you know? Where's he getting these references from?" And he hated that because I was like, "I'm making these zingers, and I'm getting fuck all from it. You're flying away just on your laurels, you know." I think. I think comedy is an addiction. <laughs> I don't want to get to I don't want to get to talent. I think it's a chronic addiction. Um, who is um, Killian Cooney? Who's the youngest hottest guy? Um, I think Killian Sunderman is the youngest hottest guy, I believe, um, and he is the youngest and the hottest guy. Um, worst slash funniest heckling experience. I think I've talked about this before. This is from uh, Alome Palo. Um, which was um, had a, a girl in a bar in Whelan's, um ask what she was downstairs and I was going over my set before I went up to do my set for Cherry Comedy the best place to do perform comedy in Dublin I have to say um, and I was downstairs getting a, a I was drinking water because I was trying to you know not have a drink before my set and she was screaming at the barman she was like watches have and he goes uh, what, you know we've got Guinness we've we've got um, Rockshore, she goes, Rockshore's fucking shy. And then um, I was giving my glass back to the barman and she goes, here you, do you like Rockshore, do you? And I said, it's all right. And she goes, are you doing comedy here tonight? And I said, yeah. And she goes, right, well, I'm going to be up the fucking front. I'm going to be screaming at you all night. And she was true to her word and I couldn't, I just couldn't wrangle her. She absolutely destroyed me. (laughs) But uh, she did prepare me, to be fair. Um, So that was fun. Uh, unlimited budget for a Chinese order. Tell me how greedy you are, says Dylan Hogan. Look, I've recently gotten into the uh, scent in Churchtown, right? It's a bit far. It's still a bit far from me. I have to kind of like say to them, look, please deliver for me. One of the lads in my local shop was like, you know, I know you're into your spice bags. This place invented the spice bag. If we're going there, I've recently just gotten into just breaking down the parts of... The chicken's never good on the on the chicken wings, especially if it's it's thrown into some sort of munchy box or something like that. That's what I found. And the chicken balls actually take up a lot of space. Don't be going to eat chicken balls. I actually think that I want to look after. I, I, I get the question is unlimited budget here, but I actually just want to live. You know what I mean? I want to survive it. I actually have found that there is a sweet spot, and it's normally when I just share what I have with my wife, and I do feel better in the long run, and I just eat a bit slower. You know what I mean? Um... But I um I would go for four chicken balls. I'd go for a full whack of um well this is what I actually do. I don't know if you know this about me. I, I order I order a chicken mushroom soup to begin. I liked having a chicken mush- mushroom soup. Um I li- I love the broth. Um I feel like it's a great appetizer. Um and uh, it's a tasty. I like to start it off, let the chips and stuff cool, let some of that stuff cool in the bag, and then I'll have that um, chicken mushroom soup. I love that. That's always a part. And I and I drink it. I have a ramen spoon at home. I drink it with a ramen spoon. So I have that. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be going bigger. That's the thing. I wouldn't be going on limited budget. I'd still be going four chicken balls now. I'd be getting your um, your um, salt and chili chicken dry. Um, I'd be getting, 
wouldn't even be going for the I might be going for the rice because I wouldn't mind rice with the curry sauce. Do you want to be going for that? I tell you, I, not, not even the mega box anymore. It'd be the four chicken balls. It'd be a full thing in the salt and chili chicken. It'd be the chips, even though it's always too many chips. One like there's no single portion of chips in a chipper or Chinese. It's always too many chips, right? I'll say it. Call a spade a spade. It's too many chips. And then a tub curry sauce right in the middle, right in the fucking Central Park fucking pool uh, in the middle of the Manhattan uh, skyline of my <laughs> of my of my Chinese. I wouldn't be going bigger than that. I wouldn't, you know, for a Chinese, that's as much as I can do, you know. Now, if it was KFC, you know, if I was going into if I was going into Chick or if I was going into Happy Endings. I'd be going. I'd be going ham hog. If it was McDonald's, I would be going twenty nuggets and five selects, and um, two double cheeseburgers and large fries and a coke and a milkshake. So that's I could do it. You know what I mean? Chinese. That's as much as I can do. Anyway, hopefully I've answered. Uh, in limited budget. It just budget's not the stuff stopping me. You know. If anything, I need to. Yeah, I need to cut the budget. Um, Ellen Hickey, what was your opinion of Bo Burnham's Netflix special Inside and that type of comedy? I fucking loved it. I'm absolutely blown away, inspired. Um, thought it was the most incredible uh, thing ever. Loved it. I loved it. I thought it was um, one of the best comedy specials and a very exciting way to see comedy done because I think for a lot of... So Bo, Bo Burnham's a, a originally this, you know... Um, YouTube viral comedian for doing fun songs on his on his piano and you know then he made that transition to do live comedy now I'm not you know I I've a similar enough trajectory and I know the the perils of trying to do something that you know and you put something online anyone can be laughing at any different part of the song or the sketch or whatever it might be um, and you often see that in the comment, comments based on what people have kind of, what line has kind of jumped out for people, you know, that people have laughed at different part of this. If it was a live thing, I would need to make sure that this is curated in a way that everyone laughs at the right time. Otherwise, it would disrupt the flow of the whole thing. So to see Bo Burnham kind of do viral comedy on YouTube, then transition to live comedy, then bow out of it because he was suffering from panic attacks to then make this piece, like, and, and use this kind of, it's a live piece in a kind of black box theater medium, but cut to the attention span of what people can kind of tolerate on Netflix. It's just a masterpiece, you know? So that that medium is new, taking a black box setup like that. And he, I mean, he's literally performing there. He has stage lights, you know, he's spotlights. He's, you know, using disco lights and he's, and he's figuring all this out. So it's like, it is like watching a live comedy show, but it, the way it's cut and his decisions to kind of cut back and forth and you see him, like, I don't care if people think it's staged that he's, you know, um, faking, you know, uh, crying or breaking down or whatever like that. And people are like, oh, well, if he was so depressed, why didn't he just stop making it or, you know, do go see someone, you know. Um, but I know a lot of people just watched it and whether it's stage or not, were resonating with the same feeling. I mean, we're empathizing, you know. Um, it, just, it just resonated with a lot of people being like, yeah, I feel like this, I feel totally trapped and like I'm losing my mind here, you know. But I was totally, totally inspired um, by it. And it just made me so, it made me so grateful to be 
in the same industry as where things like that can be made. Uh, genuinely, I'm just, I'm just, I, <laughs> I have no idea why it didn't make me sick to my stomach that I'm like, you know, I remember when I was getting into skateboarding, I saw a video of Rodney Mullen skateboarding. Have you ever seen Rodney Mullen skateboarding? It's like, he is doing stuff with a skateboard. And I'm like, I can't even go forward on this fucking thing. And it made me want to give up skateboarding, you know? This just made me think, wow, what kind of potential do we have to to make, you know, how like we can make such amazing things. So I was blown away by it and I liked it. Now that medium to answer your question, that kind of comedy, um, I think that's, you would see that in the Dublin Fringe, but you wouldn't see it fast cut, of course, because it's not then been transcribed to the, you know, TV. But uh, I love both. Um, um Let's see. Have you retired the Frenchman from Dublin character? No, Liam Murphy, but I'll tell you what happened. The filter that I use, I have a filter that I have, which is, um, Jesus, I don't even have it on this phone. Goes to show you, huh? Goes to show you, I don't even have it on this phone, that I did Plune, the Maz Mate, and the Dublin Frenchman. Um, is this kind of face swap filter. And they have a couple of set ones, and Plune is one of those, and the Maz Mate is one of those. But it's this weird app that, um, that not a lot of people use but like these are the preset faces you can go in you can find the plume face that's already on there um and the frenchman is one that you can kind of warp the face with and so while messing with that i made the first frenchman video and then as you see later on the face is a little bit different because i couldn't quite figure out what i had done to warp the video warp the face and now those phones are long gone and even though i can use the same faces to get plume and your man's mate because the app they're still on the app um, I can't quite figure out what made that face again. But I'm bringing a Frenchman back. Um, I've been toying with the idea of bringing the Frenchman back as a puppet for a long time. I really want to make him a puppet out of that face. So if you are in NCAD or Dunleary or anything like that and you're into puppetry, get on to me. I'd like to commission a puppet to be made of the Dublin Frenchman. Or if you know anyone who's doing anything like that where they're making puppets or anyone who makes puppets. Um, because I would love to bring him back in a live format Um as a kind of as a as a kind of wacky character that I a <laughs> wacky character as um you know just someone I can have a bit of fun with on stage you know but he's not none of them are retired Plune's not technically retired I mean there's nothing I can do I don't fucking know what I can do with Plune I did, a, I did Plune live for a while and it was him kind of um come to terms with his fame and his um he's you know he goes to bars and he can't get a pint because people keep buying him soft drinks and he's just just on a massive sugar high and crash at all times. And he's just really depressed and he's been um, cut out of his dad's will. Um, but people didn't like to see Plune like that, <laughs> which I understand. Um, so no, it's, um, they're not, they're not gone. Their French band's not gone, Lee Murphy. Um, uh, Mike Connolly says, hello, Anthony. Where did you, where would you say you got your sense of humor from? TV shows, people, etc." Um, so I don't know if these would be the most reflective of the things that I found that I that I do, or mo- most reflective of the comedy that I do. Like, I don't know if you would see the direct influences. Maybe you would. I don't know. But Tom and Jerry was a big one. I love Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry, for me, just was just, I would watch and laugh my ass off. Just sitting there watching and just watching the same bits over and over again. Um, and... Weirdly enough, I think I think you understand timing from Tom and Jerry because the animation is just so pitch perfect that they 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 know they know comedy inside and out because they just delay on frames and they hold for expressions, you know. And I think they do it way better than Looney Tunes do, you know. Even though 
I think, you know, Roadrunner cartoons probably get the best kind of timing, I think. Um, those are the ones. Wile E. Coyote as well. I was obsessed with. Um, and then we would have watched a lot of um, Laurel and Hardy. Would have got that quite a lot. A lot of slapstick. A lot of slapstick because we love Bottom as well. Far too young to be watching Bottom. But we love Bottom. Um, Rick Mail, Adrian Edmondson. A lot of slapstick. A lot of just derogatory, dumb, juvenile humor with farts and boobs. And that's just been really funny. I still find that the most funny. Um, and then we watched Blackadder 4 which was it was clever was cleverer but still you look back and it's like not that clever because there's just amazing kind of offbeat lines like Blackadder says to Baldrick you're as inconspicuous as a giraffe wearing sunglasses trying to get into a polar bear's only golf club and just that does not belong in a World War One kind of a, a comedy I think there's they had so much more fun with those kind of lines in that uh, series so I would have watched that quite a lot then my dad I remember my dad just showed me Monty Python and uh, just howling just howling at um, we, Life of Brian we watched quite a lot we had that on video we used to watch that all the time you know Bickus Dickus and just and them trying not to laugh and you know <laughs> just yeah Life of Brian we, we were obsessed with um, and then watching Holy Grail I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. There's just one gag, and I've talked about it many times in the pod, where the whole thing is they don't have horses, they walk around, they bang coconuts together to make it sound like they've got horses. Why? Because that's just so much fun, and it's gas. And then there's a big argument when they arrive where King Arthur arrives at the gate, and they're like, where'd you get the coconuts? And they have a big debate about how coconuts could end up there, and like a swallow could grip it, and there's no way a talon could grip a coconut. And then he goes into the town, and you see that it's uh, Galahad, I think, um, Terry Jones is like releasing swallows with ropes attached to coconuts and it's such a small gag just in the back there that you don't really even see and just I remember howling like I was shaking so much so my dad was always very supportive I laughed too much but that mo- at one point he was like nah give it a ride there it was like 20 minutes I was like <laughs> you know he was a bit worried about me um, then um then I don't know. Then it just seems to be like there's a big gap. <laughs> I loved, I loved uh, Big Train. I think Big Train is probably one of the funniest sketch shows of all time. Um, Brass Eye is just Brass Eye is just the pinnacle of dumb and clever. It is just, it is just the pinnacle. It is some of the most. Weird. Chris Morris is 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 an absolute comedy icon for me. Um, I've, I mean, I everyone has the idea. Oh, if we just do an Irish brass eye, or if you do something like that, but no one knows how to do it like Chris Morris because it isn't about getting celebrities just to do something they don't say. It's to get people. Like he, he'd be doing an interview with someone and be like, "And what do you think about the Queen saying something like that?" And he just his voice would just go up like that in the middle of an interview, you know, or he might just change his accent in the middle of an interview, and people just are trying to keep up. But he always just was so confident and stare down that you're like, "I must be hearing this wrong. I might be going insane." I've heard this man speak a different way, you know. His radio shows are incredible. Um, the Office is probably one of the The Office is the greatest is the greatest series of all time. The British Office is the greatest series of all time. It is. Dead, and I, I don't think it's just me just going back and reminiscing. I could laugh at a screen, a screenshot of the office. It is so dense with jokes. It is so, it is just so unbelievably funny. And it's, and it's not, and it was, it was so heavily scripted. It was just, 
it was just such enthusiasm from Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant not thinking they would ever have an opportunity like this again to make something like this and to be so hands-on, to be directors for the first time ever, writers and directors, BBC, paying for it. And, you know, just letting them do it. And it just, it is, it is for the greatest. And that's, that, that, that changed the world with the whole kind of mockumentary kind of style. But that kind of Brent figure, there was no one ever like that on TV before. You know, someone who always trying to had to get it right. And like, there's so many versions of that. I mean, everyone does a kind of version of that now. Every kind of comedy is someone doing a bit of a brand. Being, well, I don't know about that. Well, you know, be, being disagreeable in a kind of realistic kind of way, you know, or, or that kind of one-upmanship. It's kind of the it's kind of the go-to improv bit if you just need to do something is to just be Brent um, for a while, you know. Um, and um, and then in recent years, it's been Limmy. It's been Tim Idecker. And then, ah, just, I think you should leave. It's just so unbelievably fucking funny. I was crying. I'm watching season two, just crying. He's doing the prank show and he's in all the prosthetics. (laughs) Oh, God. It just looks so sad. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And then just this morning, I was just laughing my ass off watching Norm MacDonald, watching Norm MacDonald videos on YouTube. Norm MacDonald's jokes. And just how he just is able to just lean into a bad bit and act like it's a secret. Like he's like like he just will lean into a gag, you know? Like what was the joke? <laughs> what was the joke? He has some joke being like, you know, dogs always run to the door when the doorbell rung, rings, but then he leans in, but between me and you, it's not often for them. <laughs> That's his joke. But he leans into the gag being like, Between me and you. And then, you know. And then he says, like, my wife, she's a real battle axe. You know, and he doesn't even have a wife. My wife, she's a real battle axe. And I was getting pretty down on myself and I was uh, staring in the mirror. And I said, oh, honey, I, uh, you know, I look in the mirror now and uh, all I see, I'm getting old. All I see is a big old fat man staring back. And she says, well, uh, at least your eyesight's right. Oh, what a dog. <laughs> it's just like, and he'll just, do, he'll just whip these out. He's just this, He's just a comedy machine. The real Matt Carpenter asks, well, actually, before you ask me a question, Matt, I need to ask you a question. Can you please stop sending me so many tune picks? <laughs> You're sending me some mad shit. Um, and look, we're a tasteful operation here in the CCF. Uh, we're more of a kind of boutique boudoir kind of, you know, artful imagery uh, of cartoon uh, animals. But you are sending me some mad uh, deviant art. And, um, and thank you. But please, only when I ask for it, sir. Um, your question is about uh, fave or best Indiana Jones movie. I think my favorite is The Last Crusade. But I think, I kind of think the best is Temple of Doom. Mad as it is to say, I think Temple of Doom, the prequel to Raiders of the Lost Ark, it just has, it's just so batshit, balls to the wall, insane. I love Short Round. I think, I think, they 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 missed a trick not having short round in um you know in more in in more flicks um but I just love how balls to the wall you know just insane it is you got the musical number up top you got monkey brains now it's so racist it is so racist you got you know eating snakes you got bugs in the walls it's kind of they're all different types of fear factor stunt and um. And then you got the mind chase at the end, and there's lava, and there's zombie kids, and you know the big bridge scene at the end. I just think it's, um, I just really enjoy it. Um, but I think Last Crusade is my my favorite and probably the most iconic to me. 
and there's no boring bits in Last Crusade. There's a couple of boring bits in Raiders. There's a couple of bits just where they take the foot off the gas a little bit. There's a couple of bits. You watch them back to back and you're like, they do up the excitement factor. Um, there's a bit like after Marion's bar that's a bit boring in in Raiders. There's a bit, there's somewhat a bit in where they're kind of looking for the, where they're looking for the temple is a bit boring, you know. And they just, because they just up the ante so much, you know, you go from Indy, why does the floor move? And there's loads of snakes to like, there's bugs on the walls and there's a, a sea of rats, you know. Um, but I, I think I like, uh, I, I also think that Last Crusade is the best um, archaeologist movie just because it's linking directly with he's looking for his father his father is looking for the journal he's looking for all these spots there's there you see the origin story of Indy as well River Phoenix you have that incredible shot where he the guy puts the hat on him and then lifts it up it's, it's a bit of a western at the at the, at the uh, he's a fucking boy scout western um, and then of course you know I thought I lost you boy Sean Connery I thought I lost you boy just at the end from the Indiana, my son, let it go, you know. Um, and then fucking a fucking ghost at the end. You got a ghost at the end. You got whatever. Uh, who is it? What night is it? Whatever, whatever night of the realm. I should know this. It's embarrassing. I don't know what night. What's the night? Camelot's the name of the place. Lancelot. And I think I'm going to give Kingdom of the Crystal Skull another go. I think I'm going to just lobotomize myself for a little while, you know, remove the pessimistic part of my brain and just try and enjoy Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, you know. Because it's, I, you know, I think it was on a podcast they were talking about this, uh, Blank Check, I think they were talking about it, just like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is, it's a sci-fi pulp. And the other ones are like, you know, culty horror pulp in Temple of Doom, you know, Nazi gold, you know, kind of pulp Captain America kind of adventure, you know, like these are all kind of these, again, kind of pulpy adventures and stuff, you know, they're just, they're fun and they don't take themselves too seriously. So I, like, why, how would it not work Indiana Jones versus the aliens in the atomic age and that whole kind of scene, you know? Um, it doesn't work. It's not Shia LaBeouf's fault. I think Shia LaBeouf's actually quite good in it. Mutt, you know? Uh, is his name. I'm going to give it another shot because I, I think it might be good. If you were just to watch it and be like, this is great, that's great. But I think I went in being like, oh, what, what, aliens from the start? And I was hate watching it from the start. I'm going to go in with more pleasant lobotomized brain. Um, Got another one here. Hottest broad in cars, says Matthew Boylan. Never seen cars, never seen cars, but the one with the eyelashes, I'm sure. Um, Cat Toomey says, Rock or Stone Cold, Brett or Sean? For me, it is. It would be The Rock for me. And the only reason I would even hesitate now is that I've got a bit of, not even rock fatigue. I can't get enough of The Rock. But um, a little bit, a little bit of, 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 of rock fatigue just because he's everywhere, you know. And I, I can see him anytime I want. I can't see Stone Cold every time I want. The only time I see Stone Cold is when he's having these deep, meaningful chats with former wrestlers. And it's amazing. And it's great to watch. Um, you know he's a, he's he's a he actually is a very good interviewer because he's so disarming. You know he's just so um, he just he, he kind of just speaks about what the only interesting things you want to hear about. You know and he but he's so he's so um, he's so respectful 
and he's such a fan. You don't realize how much of a fan of wrestling he was. I think he's, I think he's kind of um, chilled his ego a little bit. But The Rock just, uh, like Stone Cold, I could get bored of him walking around the ring cutting a promo. The Rock, my jaw would be on the fucking floor every week, every time he'd say something. If he said anything new, it would be the new catchphrase, and I would lap it up. You know, he just was so in the pocket, loved his character. Um, just oversold everything, just did great matches. I mean, probably did some people damage, probably had a bit of an ego for the ring, did poor Mick Foley a bit too many times with the chair, you know, made some other lads similar to Sean, kind of um, oversold uh, a few too many moves. Um, And Shawn Michaels as well. I just, I don't even think I like Shawn Michaels' promos. I don't think I, you know, I ever thought he did that in funny or, you know, or, or anything like that. I thought Triple H is very, very funny. Triple H should be over Sean. Um, but Sean and Brett, Brett, I just never could get behind. I, I was like, if you're a good guy, why don't you look like you're having a fucking good time? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's what all that resonates with me. Sean always looked like he was having a good time. He's coming in, you know, um, he's, he, he's a Sean Michaels. We're talking about wrestling. <laughs> Sean Michaels, he'd be come sliding in by the, the zip line in your house. The first one of the first pay-per-views, he's on top of the house. Wow. Insane. You know? He's looking sexy. He's mimicking blowies. He's saying, suck my dick. And everyone, I was like, this is brilliant. He kicks people in the fucking head. How technical is that? <laughs> you got the excellence of execution. Uh, he was the excellence of execution, wasn't he? Bret Hart doing a sharpshooter. Shawn Michaels kicking the fucking head. That's it. Maybe I'll do a, a, a frog splash. And then flipping up from being knocked down. Absolute showman. Love Shawn Michaels. Um, so they would be my picks of those particular um, rivalries. Okay. Um, let's see. D Fitzsimmons, how do I convince people that I'm cool? Uh, D, you are cool. Look, I'm a very good judge of character. I find people who find me funny very, very cool. So if you find me funny, you're a cool guy. Just put that on your Tinder bio. Tinder bio. You, you're a fan of me. Um, and uh, But in reality, it's, it's weird why it depends what people find cool. You're never going to fully please everyone. But I find universally what people find cool what people kind of gravitate towards people is it's not when someone is like too good to for something do you know what i mean i used to think when i was younger oh they're not arse doing something they won't do it so that's cool like you know they're not bringing their pe gear and that's fucking cool man you know now i think that it's people who get in, involved really commit to the things that they want to get committed to you know whether it's a sport whether it's that whether it's listening whether it's talking to someone else they're just like engaged, they're present. People who just tend to be present. People who don't sweat the small stuff. People who, um, something they don't, they're not arsed about anything, but they don't really let the things that shouldn't matter, matter to them. And then people are like, how do I get that? That's what you're always like, the essence. How do I get that essence of not caring about the things that I shouldn't care about as much? So you could try that. Um, Spicy Italian with all the salads says, um, thoughts on what you'd like to see in Eurovision's future. What I'd like to see in Eurovision's future is I would like to see these fat cats in Donnybrook, in RTE, or whoever's pulling the string. I don't want it behind closed doors. I think there should be a genuine call-out, I've said this before on the pod, and a live gig where, and they should be incentivized. Everyone gets paid. There should be tastemakers. There's very, you know, Nile or Nine, the 2FM DJs, you know, Existing artists, Amelda May, get people who are are existing kind of artists, put them all on a public panel, get submissions of, a, you know, 50 songs, right? 
and incentivize people that if this gig one gets picked, there's going to be 15 songs at a live gig in the three arena. Um, you know, a big, huge night. Everyone gets paid. This would be the song for Ireland. Do the, do the song for Ireland and then everyone will vote. It'll be live on RTE. And then everyone gets paid to be in the gig. Everyone gets an opportunity to, to promote their music, get their music on the national stage, and then we vote. And look, if we vote for the wrong one, then we voted for the wrong one. But leave it back in our hands. Do not be assuming that you know better than people. Um, that's what I'd like to see. And then I reckon what we'd see is we'd see something really interesting. We'd see something really fun. We'd see something wild, like, you know, the scratch in the Eurovision. You know, that's what I'd like to see. Ross McCauley, what's the most amount of sausages you've eaten in a day? I had 30 sausages in a single sitting um, when they were like 90p and the Sainsbury's markdown. Probably already expired. Um, any recommendations for nice socks, says Shane DiCarty. Uh, look, I always hit up Uniqlo. Uniqlo Uniqlo all the way. Uniqlo for everything for me. Uniqlo do um, cotton socks that look really cool. They're the sort of ones that you see in kind of men's boutique shops that look can look kind of kind of a speckled kind of texture to them, and they have every single color you can think of. Uh, they do three for ten euro, and um, they also do airisms and pop socks as well that you can kind of hide in your feet. Um, all right, or Harvey ninety four says, "Who is your all time favorite video game character?" Do you know? Although, although I probably never had more fun playing as you know Mario, of course, and playing as Link in Breath of the Wild and going through that experiencing uh, the experience of just being so weak to so powerful and figuring out parrying and skill and growing in the game I still think Metal Gear Solid playing a Solid Snake just hiding and sneaking and choking and you know just being that kind of first that first kind of stealth experience being that kind of ghost and they're looking at what was that and you're like that's fucking me that was me Whose footprints are these? Mine. I'm in a box and I'm going to fucking get you. I'm going to, you know, shoot you with my sockum, getting the old camouflage and then playing the game again and just being invisible, you know? Just, I don't have had a better experience. And then playing Metal Gear 2. Metal Gear 2 came along, the first bit. I mean, you know, riding or whatever. And the, it was the name of the guy. He wasn't riding. Tall Snake wasn't riding. Um, but playing that first bit on the ship, that's also just an incredible small little, like that, just that game, that part where you're playing a solid snake in the first part. It was also amazing. I still haven't finished. I haven't played Metal Gear 4. I have never played Metal Gear 4. I didn't get a PlayStation 3. I've never played Metal Gear 4. I'm sure it'll be some sort of HD remaster, remix, whatever, but I need to play it. I need to play it. I need to know what happens. Big boss as well in, in Metal Gear 3. Metal Gear 3 is probably the best Metal Gear. Anyway, I think uh, Solid Snake, I don't know if I've had more fun or more like this is incredible um, experience in playing. We were we were blessed. The IPs that came out in the PlayStation era, my my era, were were the best. I think I think I think I I think I experienced the most innovative, incredible time for gaming. Um Okay, tell me where you live, not answering. This, um, Leisha Fleming asks, what would present day Tony say to 24 year old Tony? Great question, Leisha. Oh, what great question. Well, I love questions like this where I can suck myself off <laughs> and, talk, and talk down to my past self and empower my present self. I know, sorry, you weren't asking. I probably would say, do you know what I'd say? I'd say, I would say, I love that you have such high standards for yourself. That's great. That will probably stand to you. 
But I think that you stifle yourself when you put so much pressure on yourself. And I don't think you need to have, you can certainly light a fire under you, but don't set yourself on fucking fire. You know, just don't be such a, you know. And you know what else? Actually, I remember, I'll leave you with this because it kind of closes in. I, there was another part of Tony Robbins thing. And he said, and this is what I'd love to say to myself as well, that people vastly overestimate what they can do in a week and a month. And they completely underestimate what they can do in a year or two years or 10 years. You know, he has spoken to people. He gave an example one time about a guy who was like really wanted to become a doctor and had the points or whatever to become a doctor, whatever SATs or whatever equivalent is. And the guy was like, I just can't, I just don't know. I just I just don't, you know, seven years, you know, I just don't know if I can do seven years. And he's like, right, you're 23. In seven years, you're going to be 30 either way. And you can either be 30 and a doctor or 30 and not a doctor. You know, it's all going the same way. Time's still moving. I feel like I'm on RuPaul's Drag Race. And what would you say to baby Tony? <laughs> I would say it's okay to be a little weird. It's okay to be a little freak, a little dweeb, all right? Some people are going to think that you're a little dweeb, and that's okay. You're a hot guy. you got nice pillowy lips. That's not weird looking. It's not gawky. It's super hot. It's awesome. You're going to have a nice little tight little bee bod a little v for a while and then you're going to eat too many chinese and that's okay as well and it's okay as well you know just it's okay to be a freak you know and hun four eyes good two eyes bad okay you are not a loser dweeb you are cool and you are going to have a voice and you are going to have a podcast and you are going to have like-minded freaks out there listening to what you think about star wars trailers and it's going to be amazing but there will be darkness. There will be dark times. There will be nights when you are tempted to go to the hatch on uh, Sir William Street that sell Meow Meow, uh, Brussels. And it's not a good time. That's not going to be a good time for you. But you'll come through it. You'll come through it. You'll realize that's actually shy crack. And much better just with the pints and the bifters and all that. You know? <laughs> that's what I would say Mama Roo anyway look let's leave it there thank you very much for sending in your lovely messages sorry this was late but I don't feel bad about it anymore I love you I'll be back here on the Patreon on Friday if you like this podcast on time you can check me out on the Patreon I never miss one don't don't, don't choose to skip on that uh, this week I think I'm going to be talking about the He-Man controversy even though I haven't seen it controversy um, and I'm going to be talking about uh, other reboots of 80s TV shows that I would like to see and that's coming up on the Patreon this week um and if you don't have any money to throw my way, don't worry about it. People who are picking up the slack are the Dubliner Irish Whiskey. Check out the DLD.com or at Dubliner Whiskey uh, over on the social. And thank you very much for sponsoring. Thank you very much for listening. And I'll see you here next week. All the best. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>